After successfully working as the mercenary Deadpool for two years, Wade Wilson fails to kill one of his targets on his anniversary with Vanessa, his girlfriend. That night after the pair decide to start a family together, the target tracks Wilson down and kills Vanessa. Wilson kills the man in revenge and blames himself for Vanessa's death and attempts to commit suicide six weeks later by blowing himself up. Wilson has a vision of Vanessa in the afterlife, but the pieces of his body remain alive and are put back together by Colossus. Wilson is left with only a skee-ball token, an anniversary gift and final memento of Vanessa. Recovering at the X-Mansion, Wilson reluctantly agrees to join the X-Men as a form of healing. He, Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead respond to a standoff between authorities and the unstable young mutant, Russell Collins, Firefist. Wade embarks on a mission to save the troubled fire-starting mutant, but unbeknownst to him, Cable, a powerful time-traveling cyborg, has already set his sights on killing the young boy. Now, Wade needs to form a team of super protectors to thwart the evil plans of the cybernetic killer from the future. Is Deadpool up to the task, or will he go out with a bang? Ciao my people and welcome to our 63rd episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast where we discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image and more. If it came from a comic and had theatrical release, you know we'll discuss it. Naturally there will be spoilers folks, so you have been warned. I'm one of your co-hosts, DJ Nick, and today we'll be discussing Deadpool 2. And with me today to discuss this film are on one hand, the man who chose this movie, Phil Perich. Hey Phil, how are you? Hey everyone, how's it going? Yeah, good. Fine here. Great to have you with us, of course. And on the other returning guest co-host, Chris Mao. Hey, hey, Chris, how are you? Good. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Doing, doing wonderful, Chris. And very, very happy to have you back with us for sure. So, guys, today we are, of course, discussing Deadpool 2 from 2018, directed by David Leach, who our listeners might know from John Wick, Atomic Blonde, and the short film Deadpool No Good Deed. It was written by Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, and Ryan Reynolds. The score was by Tyler Bates and, of course, features tons of great, great songs you know, from Air Supply to Aha to Dolly Parton and so much more. And an estimate, to put it in today's money, this movie cost about $114 million to make and made $813 million at the box office. So definitely a great return. So let's get to first impressions then here, guys. Phil, when it comes to you and, and, and first impressions, were you happy with this sequel compared to the, the first movie? Um, yeah, I was really happy with it. I mean, it's a, it was kind of, I know people, the people who love it and people who don't like it as much. I mean, it's a little different than the first one. Of course, as a comic fan, I like it because I think it, they got more into like the comic book side of it with this one. Mm, great. And Chris, what about you? Are you a Deadpool fan? And what did you think of this sequel? Yeah, no, I loved it. I mean, I, you know, I like the way, especially, you know, I love Ryan Reynolds. I think he's an entertaining guy. I think he's great. So anytime that he can be on screen and doing his stuff is, is fantastic. And I just, you know, I love the other side of the superhero movie. So I thought it was great. Awesome. No, I must admit, I'm not the biggest Deadpool fan. And the major draw for me for this film was actually Cable, whom I'm actually a huge fan of, not to mention, of course, of Josh Brolin. So I was doubly excited to see one of my favorite Marvel characters on the big screen and being played by Josh Brolin, of all people. So let's, you know, let's get to our players on the board here, guys. Let's start with our titular character, Ryan Reynolds, as Chris was mentioning, reprising his role as Wade Wilson, a.k.a. Deadpool. Chris, when it comes to you, no 
know, as you mentioned him a little bit there and you you enjoying Ryan Reynolds, what did you think of Deadpool in this film? You know, I, I like I was saying earlier, I just love the the fourth wall aspect of how he does it and what how he how he has taken the character. Um I, I think he embodies it really, really well and I think he's you know a, a perfect choice. Obviously he's pushed for this and I think he he really embraces the role and I thought it was fantastic. I I just can't get enough of it. Great. And Phil, what about you? You know, coming from where we'd left Deadpool in the first film, what did you think of what Deadpool did in this in this one? Um, again, I always love Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, but just uh, I mean, I know, I see how it went with the story, but just uh, killing off the love interest within the first couple of minutes seemed kind of <laughs> uh, I mean, well, I'm, well, I mean, there's other movies that do it. But again, I don't know. You, We had so many characters. Maybe it was probably for the best just. So not as many people run their serve character wise. Yeah. And in fact, obviously, though, to, to add to your surprise, I loved how they with, as the credits ran through, they were just basically echoing everybody's shots like, oh, I can't believe you killed her and everything. She was like my favorite character. And so that was that was great. Yeah, I was, you know, rewatching this film. I actually thought to myself, comedy has always been the cover up for depression. And I think here that is exactly what Wade is doing. Mm. As, of course, you know, he's lost Vanessa so early in the movie. He is, of course, in a very dark place. And I think we do have a character who is at his lowest point to, granted, in a comical fashion, maybe call it black comedy. He's attempted suicide multiple times in order to be with Vanessa again. And, and I think as comedic as this film was, it actually did have some very heartfelt moments, like the conversations between Wade and Vanessa, like that beyond the veil situation. Not to mention, I think also the relationship between Wade and Russell, I thought was a nice one too. And, um, and I think as much as he wants to play the guy who doesn't need anybody, I actually think that Wade is genuinely happy to have people like Colossus, Negasonic Teenage Warhead and such around, not to mention... You know, his other family members like Blind Owl and Weasel. Um, and, you know, as, as you had uh, you know, touched up a little bit on there on, um, on Vanessa, Phil, I mean, granted, we got very little of her in this film. But were you happy with, with what we got of, of uh, Morena Bakker Vanessa? Oh, yeah. Always happy to see Morena Bakker in. Yes. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> and I, and I shouldn't say we just got her in the beginning. I mean, we did get like those kind of, I don't know if they were hallucinations or just basically him reaching out to her in the afterlife. But I mean, I mean, she was like sprinkled throughout this movie. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, if they did have to do what they did, I, I do like how they did it. And like you said, I mean, for people think Deadpool's a loner. I mean, comics, movies, he's always he's always reaching out to someone, whether it's like a best friend like Weasel or a love interest or like you said, just a new friend like Russell or something. Yeah, and uh, and Chris, did you have any anything when it came to uh, to Vanessa's character? And uh, you know, you granted as you know, even Phil was saying she's kind of sprinkled throughout this film. We didn't get much of her. Yeah, well, I think I mean she's the big tease. I mean, she is the you know the reason. I, and I don't think you know. I mean, she's not in the movie, but I don't think this movie spans a whole lot of time. I mean, mm. it's not like it's months or years. It's probably days, if not weeks. This whole this whole film covers so. It's, you know, I mean, sure, he tries to kill himself still. He does some stuff. You know, obviously, I, I, I like your, your view about the, you know, the comedy covering up his depression. But, you know, they use him to further along his character and development. And I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I don't know how much actual screen time she got compared to the first movie. But she mm -hmm. got a decent amount in this one. I mean, she was there. You're always thinking about her. So, 
Uh, yeah. you know, I thought it was pretty powerful. Yeah, it's true. I guess you you make a good point because I think you can almost feel her presence throughout the film, even when she's not on screen, which I think is actually a, a, a clever one as well. So as we did mention them, let's look at uh, one of our recurring duos who play a big part in Wade's life. We have, of course, T.J. Miller reprising his role as Weasel and the wonderful Leslie Uggams as Blind Owl. So, Phil, when it comes to these two, what did you what did you make of Weasel and, and Blind Owl in this? I mean, I mean, Weasel's always good for like the one-liners and stuff, and I love um, like Wade's interaction with uh, Al, of course. That j- just like that f- that first time that you see them in- together in the movie, and you know, he's basically like, "Oh, it's my fault. She died," and you know, just just the whole thing, you know, him sk- coming in and scaring her. I mean, just the the back and forth between those two is just great. I mean, I could, I'd almost. Be, I mean, I know you need a, a bunch of characters, but I mean, I would almost just I'd be happy seeing a buddy comedy just with uh, Wade and Al for a movie. <laughs> that would make for a great <laughs> spin off. And, and, and Chris, when it comes to Al, you, what did you think Al, of Al, Al Pool? You could do that. So <laughs> <laughs> I love you know, that. I, I think they're good. I mean, I think, you know, I think T.J. Miller is like like Phil was saying that one liner, Um, you know, as Weasel, I think. You know, he, he obviously progressed the plot a lot more in the first Deadpool, where mm-hmm. he was a little bit more integral, where this was, he was just kind of the guy who's there. Um, I mean, and I think the, the the Blind Al stuff is great, just because it gives you a chance in him to do kind of the gross stuff without it being totally offensive to everybody. And, you know, like he plays the tricks on her and stuff, and like when he goes in and, you know, gets the bag of cocaine and tries to kill himself that way. I thought that was pretty funny, you know. Mark, Deadpool's cocaine, or Wade's cocaine, and it's, it's it's you know, a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, it's on top of the cure for blindness. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You know, I mean, you know, the, 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 they just keep coming. I mean, they pack this full of everything that they can, and I, I, I appreciate it about the writers. I appreciate that about Ryan Reynolds' comedy, because he doesn't take his foot off the gas ever, and I think that's very very refreshing in this movie so or in these two movies agreed i i mean i it was certainly wonderful to see these two again because of course blind owl in her own weird way is almost a mentor to wade in helping him deal with his grief you know granted she's very sort of rough about it but i think she's doing his best to get him out of his funk and i think that you know even more so than than weasel does because weasel's kind of like yeah you know okay move on kind of thing he's just kind of doing his thing very uh i'm not saying emotionless but he doesn't really give much input to help wade along while blind owl actually does and because I think the problem with Weasel is he has the emotional extension of a teaspoon. That's why he does his best to help, even though he does let, you know, he does the craziest things. He lets Cable get to him and he rats out Wade and his gang like it was nothing. You'd think he, this is Wade's best friend. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll tell you where they are. You know, this kind of thing. It's like, OK, thank but you. Didn't he, roll in, didn't he roll in the first movie on him a little bit when the yeah. guys? I mean, it's not like he, you know, he's just the mercenary. Um I think he's more out to look for his own skin, although he's befriended Wade. I don't I don't think he has any particularly redeeming character. He's just kind of the wise ass and you know does that stuff. So low, low pain threshold. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Blame it on the low pain threshold. So let's move on then to another fun view, and apparently the only members of the X-Men the studio could afford. <laughs> we have Stefan Kapcic, of course, rep- reprising his role as the voice for Colossus, and Brianna Hildebrand reprising her role as Negasonic Teenage Warhead. 
And we also get to meet Negasonic Teenage Warhead's girlfriend, Yukio, played by Shiori Kutsuna, who my listeners might know from Beck, Unforgiven, and much more. So looking at duo slash trio, granted, Yukio doesn't really get much to say, but I think she gets we get a little bit of character somewhat. What did you guys make of these these three? Chris, what did you think of uh, of Colossus, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, and Yukio? Well, you know, I I mean I think it's you know, I, I think it's you know, it, it's it's good to round out their characters like that. It's good to have all three of them back. I mean, I think they 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 you know they're like the the good conscious side of you know the the X Men or X Men in training side of um of you know of Deadpool and Wade Wilson. Um, you know, I th- I think they were great. I I I love the persistence of Colossus. Is that's kind of his character and the way they interact, and then the payoff at the end with uh you know Wade coming back to him for help and stuff. I. I I love that interaction because he just, they just keep trying. They just keep fighting the good fight, even though Negasonic Teenage Warhead is a little bit more on the rougher side. She still fights the fight and does what she's supposed to. I think it was great. And then, you know, we talk about the affordability of them. And then they have that, that one payoff scene with the cameos was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that was worth to me the whole movie. So just to see that they're all sitting there, you're like, huh? And it's like, he closes the, they close the door, like get away from us, kid. And, move on so <laughs> and, and phil what about you what do you think of this trio um again i mean i love them i think this is probably the best uh live action colossus we've gotten so far mm-hmm. uh, i also love you know again you know colossus is hopeful and negasonic teenage warhead or, or justin bieber as you call her uh and, <laughs> i mean you know again you know moody teenager and you know it works and then <laughs> I, I can't. I I couldn't help but smile every time with Yukio. Like you said, she didn't get a lot of dialogue. But hi, Wade. He's like, oh hi, Yukio. Because just because he knows he's gonna like annoy Negasonic just every time he talks. We're like, oh hi. <laughs> yes, it's true. Oh yeah, just to dig under her skin. It's like oh, I yeah. got you there. So. Pump, yeah. the hate, pump the hate breaks, Fox News. That's <laughs> <laughs> Granted, I think aside, you know, that from having a girlfriend, this was actually, I think, the first Marvel film to actually portray a same-sex relationship. So, I mean, leave it to Deadpool to be the most forward-thinking movie in Marvel. I thought that was that was amazing. Um, but as much as I love Negasonic Teenage Warhead and, Bri- and Brianna's portrayal. I would not say that she has much of an arc. You know, expect to be, like you guys were saying, to be snarky and taking pot shots at Deadpool, which were very hilarious. I will give him that. But I think, you know, Colossus is probably the guy who goes on the on more of a journey when it comes to his characters. You know, as we'd seen him in the first film as being a very much a goody two-shoes kind of cookie-cutter superhero and was literally sick, you know, at the time when Deadpool had killed Francis in the first film. Here, you know, he starts off as your gentle giant who wants to do the right thing. But as we have seen this happen to the gentle Dopinda, Deadpool has gotten to Colossus as well. And it was fun seeing him cut loose against Juggernaut and not holding back. And by movie's end, you know, I think he's pretty much a little rougher around the edges than when he started. So I guess it shows the influence that Deadpool has on people. You know, when it comes to Yukio, I find that the character of Yukio was very cute and sweet, though we did find out, which I thought was a great payoff, is that behind that sweet demeanor, we had this very deadly warrior as well. And it was much more fun compared to the the version of Yukio that we'd had in The Wolverine, which had been played by Ryla Fukushima. And I, it was just great that even though it's such a comedy, the Easter eggs and the pot shots when it comes to Wolverine films are a plenty and they were great. 
<laughs> just, I just love that. Um, so let's move to characters who make their debut in this film, guys, starting with young Julian Dennison as Russell Collins slash Firefist, whom our listeners might know from, I mean, he's, he's obviously very young, so he hasn't been in too much. He's been in a lot of commercials in his native New Zealand, but also in Hunt for the Wilder People. So, Phil, when it comes to, to Russell Collins' Firefist, what did you make of him? Um, I like this. I like the character. I like the story. Just, I mean, basically, I, I like we said that you know, Deadpool uh, tries to help him and put set him on the right track. I think part of it might be maybe Wade sees a little bit of something in this kid. It's like you know, if I hadn't had love or you know, later friends, you know, th- there but for the grace of God, it might have been me. You know, mm. well said, well said. And and Chris, what about you? What did you make of Fire Fist? No, I, you know, I, I, I liked, um, you know, the, you giving somebody for wait, you know, way to redeem himself on and to help, help him prolong because, you know, I think it, it does go a long way to show that, you know, it might be those one or, you know, something that Colossus says, you're a hero four or five times. Well, you know, this is a one time that, you know, he could be a hero and really affect the future in a positive way and how impactful that can be. And I thought it was great. And I, you know, I liked the way he played the character. I think he did it the right way. He had the a right amount of anger, um, especially that teen kind of angsty kind of thing where he mm. really was mad and had a lot of power. And it it, it kind of showed how you know absolute power corrupts absolutely, but then it also can be redeemed. And they talked about that throughout the whole movie. And I thought that was really good, especially look at Deadpool. He could be redeemed at the same time at the end. So it was a double redemption. Well said. Well said. I mean, you know, I didn't expect this character to be true to the comics bearing in mind it's a Deadpool movie um, but I can forgive it because I have to say you know Julian Dennison brings a great performance in this role and in its own way I think one you know like you guys were pointing out one could see Russell's character of what can happen to a child as well also has been abused and tortured and with the power set that he has he could become extremely dangerous as of course Cable explains happens in the future also, I think as Deadpool states this in, in, in the film, it's about family. And we can see that at first, Russell does his best to be tough and stand up for himself. But I think inside, he really wants a unit to belong to, almost like Deadpool, who uh, is a solitary guy, but always wants to reach out to people. And though I think he's terribly, when it comes to Fife, he's terribly misguided because he finds this in the wrong places, like with Juggernaut, which is Ah, which I, as a comic book reader, I love this relationship because it's a rather dark and skewed version of a friendship that Juggernaut actually does develop with another young mutant who helps him discover his better side. So I thought it was a nice little reference there. And naturally, of course, we see that Russell is generally touched by Deadpool's selfless gesture of sacrificing himself. And he has nothing but pain because he's known nothing but pain and suffering. And this, I think, is the first time somebody's actually done something for him. So it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment and very well, a very well played character. So let's get to my favorite character that I've really, really been looking forward to talking to. Josh Brolin, of course, as Cable, who my listeners, of course, will know as being Thanos in the MCU. So, uh, Chris, when it comes to you, what did you think of Cable? You know, I like the character and from what little I've read about Cable. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not the biggest Josh Brolin fan. Although I think he played, I think he played these characters very well, and I think you know in the beginning it was a little rough, um, just because he didn't have much to do other than being kind of Terminator esque. But then yes. by the end, of, but then by the end of the film, I think you get a little bit more of him and why he did it, and he obviously becomes a little bit more re- relatable when they 
partner together begrud- begrudgingly and then become, you know, friendlier or friends or companions at the end. I think there was a payoff, at, you know, at that. I mean, I, I, obviously, it's a great character with great, you know, abilities and great skills. And, you know, it, it worked out really well. Mm. And, and uh, Phil, what about you? Would, are you a fan of Cable in the comics? And what did you think of Josh Brolin's portrayal? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Cable, and I think the thing, you know, with like people like Chris who maybe didn't like like the character at first. I mean, in the comics, I mean, he comes back, you know, he's he's after Apocalypse, this big, huge, evil mutant, you know. But in this movie, it's like, well, why is this guy coming after this 14 year old kid? Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Nick, did you ever see Once Upon a Deadpool? You know what? I still have to see it. it it's it's it, like I said, it's this version of well, it's this movie, but it's the PG thirteen version. So they take some stuff out, but they fill those gaps in with uh, Deadpool talking to um, oh, what's his face? Uh, oh, uh, oh, I just had a name in my head and it just uh, escaped me. Uh, Kevin from the Wonder Years. Uh, oh, oh, okay, Savage. Yeah, Fred Savage. Fred yeah, Savage, like, sorry. Yeah, it's Fred Savage. Yeah, like Fred Savage is sitting in bed and, you know, he's telling him, you know, basically like Wade's telling him the story, <laughs> like the never ending story. Yeah. And, and when they get the when they get to the cable part, they, you know, Fred Savage is like, oh, yeah, he's like cable. You mean, you know, the, the mutant son of uh, uh, Cyclops and Madeline Pryor. And it goes through like this quick summary of like the comic book origin and Deadpool just <laughs> goes, yeah, no, we're not doing that here. <laughs> <laughs> so so were you satisfied with what we got? Um, yeah, in the end, like I said, I could, I could see in the beginning how like people who aren't too familiar with him from, from the comics might be turned off a little bit, but yeah, I did overall like what they did with the character. I would have liked a little more, you know, telekinesis, you know, some of his mutant powers, but it was pretty good. And I do like all the, uh, Josh Brolin, uh, Easter eggs we got, you know, calling him Thanos or, you know, zip it one-eyed Willy stuff like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> It was great. I mean, as I mentioned before, you know, of course, I'm a big fan of both Josh Brolin and Cable, and I think he's actually the perfect fit for the character. And I'm actually glad they did not go excessively comedic with this character compared to what they did with Colossus. As heck, if there were ever a Cable spinoff or an introduction into the MCU, which seems very probable, Brolin would be awesome as this character, just as he was as Thanos, because he, if he plays him straight like this, He'd be yeah. perfect for the MCU. Um, it's not subtly put, obviously, in this film that he is the mirror image of what Wade has gone through. I.e. lost his wife and daughter and he was unable to stop it. And that we can tell, you know, he sticks around with Deadpool, one, because their objectives somewhat align, as, as Chris would point out. And secondly, probably on sufferance, as this duo have filled multiple pages of comics in the spin-off title Cable and Deadpool, which we might be talking about a little bit later. But the, the look is great. I thought it was cool we got a call back also to Hope Summers, his daughter, which I which I was like, wow, you know, they mentioned this stuff. Um, so he does, I think, encapsulate that kind of stereotype of your kind of somber, more introspective character. As Deadpool points out, you know, are you from the DC universe? <laughs> because it was, yes. it was All right. it, it, <laughs> Yeah, it was great. But he does it so, so well. So yes, and that's another great performance from Josh Brolin. So let's get to another character who apparently will be sticking around and the only surviving member of the X-Force, <laughs> Zazie Beats as Domino, who, of course, was wonderful in the film Joker. And, of course, we give we could give a shout out if you guys want to the brief appearances of the other short lived characters where we had Terry Crews as Bedlam, <laughs> Lewis Tan as Shatterstar, who I know Phil is, Phil is a big fan of Shatterstar. Um 
Bill Skarsgård as Zeitgeist, and we had, of course, Brad Pitt as the Vanisher, <laughs> <laughs> and and Rob Delaney as Peter. Granted, of course, I you know there's more to talk about when it comes to to uh, Domino, but uh, you know, starting with you, Phil, what did you think of uh, Domino? And if you want, you know, if, you feel free to also talk about the other members of the X Force. Granted, they weren't around for long. Um, yeah, I mean, Zazzy Beats was great. I wasn't too familiar with her before this, but I loved what she did with the character. Um, again, sometimes in the comics, the character can get a little too dark, but I mean, she, she played it, I think the, the right, um, mix of, uh, comedy and seriousness and a little naivete maybe, but mm-hmm. yeah, I really, I really like the character and <laughs> you're saying Shatterstar. Ah, uh, <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, a big name character from the book, I mean, maybe not right now but like somewhat bigger name from the comics and I, they can't believe they wasted him really quick but i just love that you know oh he's not the best at everything is he <laughs> and what did you make of the brad pitt cameo <laughs> did you see that coming did i see the vanisher coming no i did not nick <laughs> <laughs> no i I'm guess not- I, I guess is i guess him and ryan reynolds are friends i think was that was that the thing I assume so because it's like to get Brad Pitt on your your film to just like do one appearance where he's being electrocuted. (laughs) He can say he's in the MCU now. I mean, he's got that on his head. So can Matt Damon, but a a couple of times actually. So (laughs) very true. And and Chris, what about you? What did you make of Domino and uh, and the X Force? Well, see, I thought she did a great job. I like Phil said. I think she played it right. You know, where she played kind of kind of serious, kind of you know, kind of whatever. And I love their their diatribe. Luck isn't a, a, a superpower. She's like, yes, it is. And then, you know, she literally, how they, you know, made it so she could get through all of the things that happened was pretty, I thought was really well laid out and well thought out. So, and I think, you know, I think she was good. And then, you know, obviously top down with her Joker performance, she's really a very talented actress. And I thought, you know, actor, and she, she did it. She did a really great job. And and what did you think of the X Force and having them kind of be there and just disappear? You kind of just they, they should have just said it. Sean Bean is going to play everybody. And we're just going to kill him. I mean, it was. <laughs> I love how they do it. It's like the guy's coming, and you know, and then you know, Peter, you know, the 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 one normal guy actually is one of the few guys that actually lands correctly. Was fantastic. I mean, fantastic. I love it. Oh, I'm going to go into a chopper blade. Oh, going to go into a uh, you know a tree shredder. Oh, you know. It, all these things happen. I thought it was just, you know, I think it was great to make that, um, you know, the nod to the X-Force and then, you know, we're really not going to move on with them. So let's get rid of them in a, in a funny way. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what, when it comes to Zazie Beats, she may not be the domino from the comics, but she's a superb actress, as you guys have both pointed out. And we have seen this, you know, like you were touching up on Chris, when it comes to more serious roles, like the one of Sophie Dumond in Joker, and her hair in this is fantastic. I was like, I love. She looks so good. And, and well, it's a character know. by itself. I mean, in the drop, yes. and you see, I mean, <laughs> it, it's like uh, it, it was almost like a. Uh, you know, I kind of got a Scott Pilgrim vibe from it on a lot of the, some of the scenes, and like you know the the vegan powers with his hair with Brendan Routh's hair. Um, you know, I thought they did that when she jumped in at other times where it was almost like its own kind of part, and it was great. So. Oh, yes. I mean, she's she's a very sassy character. And I think as much as Deadpool disses it, she could probably complete the mission by herself, possessing right. the power of luck. And in this film, it's to the nth degree. But I also love the the confidence this uh, that she has. And once again, as Deadpool points out, she's probably found her cause in life in joining the X-Force. Yeah. 
and it will be interesting to see her role moving forward. So a great introduction to, to the character of Domino. So, guys, let's get to the darker side of the table and look at our two main villains, if you will. Juggernaut, once again voiced by Ryan Reynolds in this. And, of course, we have Eddie Marson as the headmaster. So, Chris, when it comes to our two villains, what did you think of Juggernaut and the headmaster? Well, you know, Juggernaut, just by himself, it's fantastic. And, you know, the payoff when he when he arrives is is well worth it. I mean, I didn't know anything about the story before this. So, I mean, if that's, if it's a spoiler or not, but just seeing Juggernaut and how, you know, everybody's like, oh my God, we're so afraid of him, you know, uh, it was pretty good. And then Eddie Marson is, he is fantastic in whatever he plays. And so him being an evil guy, which isn't, you know, a far stretch for what he does a lot of times, it was, he was creepy, uh, unsettling, unnerving, but still captivating and great at the same time. So what else can you ask for a villain? Oh, very true. I mean, I was a big fan of his in The World's End, which is uh, one of my favorite, favorite mm-hmm. films of all time. And Phil, when it comes to you, you know, this was the second juggernaut that we got, you we say, in the superhero movie world. What did you think of this version? And what did you think of the headmaster? I think, this, I, I think again, I think we got a more comic accurate version of the juggernaut here. You know, I'm a big fan from, you know, Uncanny X-Men 183, Thor 411, on, you know, X-Men Unlimited 12. I think that's what Deadpool said. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, listed yeah. them all, right? Got them all out there. Yeah, I think the three he mentioned. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, like I said, I, I, the character's great. I think this is the most comic accurate version we've gotten so far. And the headmaster, uh, yeah, he did a great job. Um, I was waiting for him to be Mister Sinister. Mm. That is a missed opportunity. It could have been. It's a missed opportunity, I suppose. But maybe there were just too many characters. But yeah, are, are you? Much, yeah. Are, are you a fan yourself of Eddie Marson? I mean, have you seen him in other films? I wasn't too familiar with him, but I thought he did. He pulled it, the part off very well. You know, the evil, creepy headmaster guy. Yeah, he, I think I think I thought he did a great job. He, he's like a superb, superb character actor. Um, he was in Sherlock Holmes, right? The um, the um, the uh, the Robert Downey Jr. version, right? Yes. He was, yeah. He was, uh, and then he was. I, I've been watching. I didn't watch it. I've just been watching Ray Donovan, and he's his mm-hmm. brother. He's fantastic. I mean, I, like I saw him, I'm like. I know that guy. I know that guy. And then I found out who it was, you know, realized who it was. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he was, you know, he's just absolutely unbelievable. So it's true. Oh, me too. I was like, wow, you know, this it's great. And finally, a British actor who actually is able to do a, a, a believable American accent. Yeah. I was so happy for that. Um, and uh, don't I, talk about Benedict Cumberbatch because I'll drive me nuts. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to mention that. But. I, Sorry, his American accent is awful. Everything else about Doctor Strange is great, except for his accent. It's like, it drives me nuts because he's so <laughs> talented. He's such a good actor. And you're like, oh, dude, but it's okay. We'll yeah. go forward. I, I agree. I mean, I, I also have to say as much as I did enjoy Vinnie Jones as Juggernaut in X-Men The Last Stand, as, as you were saying, Phil, one could make the point that this was at almost a truer representation of the juggernaut in some places. And naturally, okay, in this version, the character is played a lot for laughs, but it is so much, you know, more accurate, like, you know, to put to echo your comment of the com- of the comics juggernaut. And so it was great. I mean, the Vinnie Jones version, you know, will always have, I guess, some love for Vinnie Jones. Well, we love Vinnie Jones. The version of the juggernaut was a little bit meh. But uh, it's always, you know, it, it, it's, it was okay. Eddie Marston, I mean, just phenomenal actor, be it but, playing good guys. Good. Yeah. Well, just to say, I'm sorry, but like in Last Stand, 
he had a much different, you know, although Juggernaut was impressive, he wasn't nearly as impressive as literally half of the people that were there, as important as he was. But in this movie, he's probably the most powerful superhero um, sitting there. So, I mean, there's got to be a much different aspect of it um, in his thinking, you know, where, you know, he's up against Magneto and, you know, all, you know, you know, Professor X, all these people, it's just like, he's not even close. Um, you know, I mean, he's he's like eighth or ninth on the list at best. So, I mean, I think there's a different perspective on the characters, too, in their, yeah. in their ranking in there. And oh, just, yeah. and just yeah. the size and stuff. I mean, I think this movie got it right. I mean, you have to pretty much go CGI if you want to get like a yeah. it's physical appearance, right? Yeah. Well, the oh, CGI oh. fight. CGI fight incoming is great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was wonderful. But yeah, I suppose you know to to briefly go on the the last stand uh, tangent there. It's true because you have so many characters there going, and you have to kind of almost downplay how powerful Juggernaut actually is. I mean, he is a threat in that film, but not the threat that Juggernaut actually is in the comics world. And here you really get to see why people are so terrified of the Juggernaut. Um, but yeah, I, Eddie Marston, uh, you know, to 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 go back to what I was saying there is is great because he's playing good guys or villains. And here I think, you know, we have a lot of anti-heroes and he could, though I guess he could be considered the true villain in this picture. So, uh, guys, that uh, you know, before we get to ratings here, the the way this movie ended, of course, had a very interesting twist because, you know, as I mentioned, there are spoilers on this podcast. We do find out that Ryan Reynolds, once again, or should we say the writers, take a pot shot at the X-Men franchise, have him, you know, turn back time, literally to, of course, Cher's uh, song, Turn Back Time, and everything basically goes back to the way it was. When it came to how that the film ended, and, you know, should we say this reboot, uh, Chris, what did you think of the ending? Were you happy with that, the way, the way it was done? Yeah, because, I mean, when Cable goes back and saves Deadpool with a yeah. uh, coin... You knew that that was going to happen. Although, you know, I mean, it was kind of like, hey, he can do it. I'm going to do it. And wouldn't Ryan Reynolds do that or Deadpool, you know, played by Ryan Reynolds do that? I, and I think that was an, an obvious choice because, you know, I mean, they, 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 they talk about it throughout the whole film. So I thought yeah. that was pretty, pretty predictable. And and, uh, and and the second time travel thing that we got, Phil, when it came to Deadpool messing around with the time travel, going back to killing Ryan Reynolds before he got to play <laughs> Green Lantern and stuff. What did you think of that that particular time travel ending? I mean, I appreciate that Ryan Reynolds can, you know, has enough uh, confidence in himself that he can take pot shots at his own career. You know, you know the version of Deadpool we got in uh, X Men Origins Wolverine, and, and even the whole, you know, oh hey. I'm the one who picked Green Lantern. Yeah, you can blame me. Here we go. <laughs> I'm just glad that he's he's so you know. He, that's why I think that's why he's so good as Deadpool because he's like I think self deprecating. He has that self deprecating humor in his real life too. And and the fact that he's going to basically have Cable kill Hitler, I thought that was an interesting one. <laughs> it's like I can't kill babies. I'll let Cable kill kill baby Hitler. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and because uh, I was actually almost had, had was actually wondering, does this then mean that Deadpool three goes back to where it was? I mean, that's uh, nothing that nothing really happened in this film, and we just reboot when we go to Deadpool three. Ah, I don't know because it's it's a. That does does that whole time machine create a paradox that throws them into the MCU? Because I mean, it's like you know, if he saves Vanessa, does he go go on to meet Cable and all them? It's you know, it's 
It, it makes you wonder. In fact, I, I'm actually wondering what we will get with uh, with Deadpool 3. So let's get then to ratings then, guys. Where does this movie rate for you on the scale of 1 to 10? Phil, what do you give this film? Uh, I think I have to give this movie a... Let's see. Let's just say, it's... it's I'll give it an eight and a half. I mean, again, it's not perfect, but I think it's it's a pretty enjoyable movie. Again, it's um more co- it's more comic accurate than a lot of the stuff we got, especially on the Fox side of things. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoy this every time I, I watch it. And um, I know you like you mentioned the share song. I think in the more modern times we we used to get this back in the day more, but like just the soundtrack to this movie is like its own like separate entity yeah just the share song the whole dolly parton nine to five song in the beginning when he's like just like killing those guys i thought that was the greatest <laughs> oh yes and and chris what about you what do you give this yeah i'm in the same range i thought it was a seven and a half or eight i mean i think it's uh it, 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 it is it perfect no um but i think it you know once again really helped the mcu um be different um instead of kind of like oh we're gonna take these core avenger characters and churn out another movie and you know i mean basically by the will of ryan reynolds alone they've made it into what between the two million between the two movies a one and a half billion dollars or something like that i mean that's a lot that's a lot for you know they did the first one for what under 100 right or 80 or something like that i mean that's a lot that's a big return for their 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 money and that's that's great because i mean to do that without uh having iron man in it i think that's a pretty good pretty good run so you know it gets a little extra just for that what we, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm actually going to give this an eight out of ten myself, as it's very much a step up from the first movie, which I love. I mean, it was incredibly funny, and as much as I did enjoy Tim Miller directing that one, I actually think that David Leach just brought something extra to this franchise, and I do hope he will be directing the next one because I really, really like his direction, and I really well the writers did a splendid job. But also, having David Leach in the director's chair, I thought was a great, great choice. And um, before we well, actually get to yeah, I was just going to say, having money makes a big difference too. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah. they did. I mean, it makes a lot of difference when you can, you know, do, you, you can do the film uh, with CGI or the stunt with CGI as opposed to practically. Um, yeah. Not that the first ones weren't weren't good, but you know, it it, it makes a big difference when you have excellent writing because I think they, you know, they, they 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 flesh out the story and then they literally probably sit there for months and just jam everything in there that they can and, and, and it pays off. So. And plus, the first movie is always the origin story. I mean, by this point, we already knew who half the people were. You know, Deadpool, Weasel, right. Al, you know, Vanessa, Colossus, all of them. We already knew who they were, so they can just, like, start moving with the story. Sure. Very true, very true. And, and you know, and before we actually get to reading recommendations here, guys, when it comes to Deadpool 3, did either of you have any predictions of what you would like to see in the, in the, in the next film? Phil, did you, yeah, knowing what a huge fan you are of Deadpool, what do you hope to see and what do you think are your predictions for the, the third film? I can't, I, can't, I can't wait to see him annoy certain characters in the MCU. <laughs> I just wish Tony Stark was still around for, for uh, Deadpool to annoy. I think that would have been the funniest thing, just uh, Ryan Reynolds and Robert Downey Jr. playing each other, off each other on screen. Oh, that would have been fa- amazing. I, 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 you know what? If I could uh, you know, pay to, to see that, I certainly will or would. And, and Chris, when it, came to, when it comes to you, do you have any um, thoughts or predictions when it comes to the third movie? Are you looking forward to a Deadpool 3? I, oh, absolutely I am. And I just really, really hope that they can bring Wolverine in somehow. 
I just, I mean, <laughs> actually get him on stage because, you know, he's done now that they can actually, you know, say, hey, you come at, can you, you do a couple of scenes where what in whatever role it is, even if it's just him making a cameo, it would be fantastic. So we can definitely cross fingers and hope for the best when it comes to that. So let's get to reading recommendations here, guys. Did either of you have any uh, Deadpool comics you'd like to suggest to our listeners if they enjoyed this film? Uh, I mean, you know, I always have a few. Uh, <laughs> Knowing you're the Deadpool fan, Phil, I was expecting you to give us some recommendations. Go ahead. Um, well, to start off with the uh, the original Joe Kelly run of Deadpool, like from, I think it started in 1998. Like the first 25 issues is really good. Um, Deadpool gets tasked with uh, helping bring this, well, supposedly an alien messiah to Earth. But then things don't go as planned and he, things get real, things get serious. And it's just... It's a good mix of like seriousness and humor, which I think these movies have done well. And then like the two team up books, so, like if you love Cable with uh, Deadpool, I think you mentioned it, Nick. There was a uh, one Deadpool team up series that went like fifty issues. Uh, those were pretty good. And then uh, I don't know if you ever read the Spider Man Deadpool team up book. That was like another fifty <laughs> issues. Yeah, that was great too. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of humor in those, but yeah, those are those are pretty good. I mean, there's so much Deadpool stuff. I mean, they've there's been mini series. They've had him like. You know, there's like Deadpool vs. Hawkeye, Deadpool vs. Gambit. There's so much There's so much out there. I believe there's actually also a Deadpool destroys the Marvel Universe. Is that correct? If I yes. remember correctly. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, there's even one where they like plug him into the original Secret Wars miniseries and stuff. Yeah, that... <laughs> yeah because i i actually distinctly remember the comic book cover i believe where he's looking up nervously and thanos is right behind him going oh you know i was joking i was joking kind of thing so, oh yeah there's a deadpool versus thanos too yes <laughs> yeah which that's actually one of my favorite comic book covers uh chris did you have any any comic recommendations you know me i don't read many comics so i do not but you know i from what little i've seen it's it's good so mm-hmm. you know phil, phil nailed nailed it on the head <laughs> awesome well to add to phil's recommendations i'm also going to add x-force volume 4 issues 1 to 15 if the fourth series of x-force had a subtext i'd say it would be taking cable as far as he could go and seeing what happened afterwards here we actually have writer c spurrier who pushes at different pieces of cable's mythology specifically the whole cyborg thing mm-hmm. i think lets the various characters around him slowly pick up on what's going on as the fallout becomes more obvious And in many ways, it's also a perfect pairing with the Cable issues 97 to 107. Um, Apparently, you know, there are many stories you can tell with a cyborg time traveler who wants to save the world by shooting things. And and X-Force and the Cable series definitely do that. So if you're fans of Cable, definitely check out X-Force issues 1 to 15 and also Cable uh, volume 1 issues 97 to 107. So, guys, of course, we... um, we, of course, re- reviewed this film and gave our recommendations. And if you listeners out there want to be like Phil and Chris and join us here on the show to discuss a movie of your choice, feel free to shoot us an email at happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. We also really appreciate your thoughts and feedback about the show. You can reach out to those also at happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Feel free to show your support by giving us a like on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness and Darkness. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at High Darkness Pod or on Instagram under Hin Darkness. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, if feeling generous, you can check out the great tiers we have going on on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash happiness in darkness. Big, big thank you to our patrons currently supporting us. It means the world. So, guys, when it comes to the two of you and what you do, where can our fine listeners find you on the interwebs? Let's start with you, Chris. Yeah, I can be found at Blue Box Cafe or Blue Box Cafe 
176 on social media. Great. And Phil, what about you? Uh, well, of course, you can always hear me, uh, well, a couple times a week on the Capes and Lunatics and the Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks podcasts, uh, two different podcasts. We even have a YouTube channel. I uh, can find we're all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can find links to everything at uh, Linktree, L-A-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Capes and Lunatics. I mean, we do various shows. One of them is even a uh, Deadpool centric show. So, you know, I'll be sharing links to this uh, episode all over that. So, oh, and one final thing, Nick, how are you ending this episode? Is it going to be the share song, the Dolly Parton song? <laughs> for little should be aha. That's my no, I, I, I still have to be honest, uh, listeners, when you hear this, I'm actually still undecided because there's so many great songs. <laughs> I'm tempted to use Cher. I'm tempted to use Celine Dion's Ashes. I'm oh, tempted oh. to use, there's so much. So it will be a toss up, I reckon. I'm probably going to have to spin my own little wheel of songs to see where, how we end it. Um, but to me for you country music lovers i also host the radio show whiskey and cigarettes where we play traditional country today's country and everything else in between so i could end it with dolly parton maybe but for more about that and how and where to tune in you can visit our website that's whiskey and show.com podcast wise you can also check out our latest project gold standard the oscars movie podcast where with co-hosts zan sprouse and rachel friend we're reviewing all the movies that won the oscar for best picture from 1927's wings to the present day if you'd like to join us in discussion uh, and discuss your favorite oscar winning movie you can shoot us an email goldstandardoscars at gmail.com that's goldstandardoscars at gmail.com we're also on facebook and twitter also recently i had the pleasure of joining friend charles skaggs on titan talk the titans podcast where we discuss the second season of doom patrol and we're currently going through the second season of the boys on the fandom zone and speaking of things to come on this show Next week, we'll be joined by Christine Peruski and a surprise special guest to discuss the 95 Rachel Delaney film, Tank Girl. Mm. That said, when it comes to you, Phil, and to you, Chris, once again, I look forward to having you back here on Happiness and Darkness, and I certainly cannot thank you enough for joining me today. Thank you. It was great being here again. Yeah, as always, Nick. Thanks. Oh, the pleasure was certainly mine. Well, folks, thanks as always for listening to the show and supporting us. We will see you next week with Christine Peruski and Tank Girl. Until then, stay super. Ciao, my people. I see your face.